The following episode contains mature themes and language that may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Leo was always seen driving around in his baby, his bright orange 87 Toyota Corolla wagon. When he turned 19, he was living with two of his friends in New Zealand. He told them he was going to, quote, be at one with nature, unquote. And that was the last time anyone ever heard from him. Welcome to True Crime Worldwide, a podcast where we cover crimes all across the globe. I'm your host, Annika, and this is episode 12. Today, we're looking at the case of the mysterious death of Leo Lip Neighbors. Leo was born to Charlotte Lip and Colin Neighbors in New Zealand. As a young child, he was described as a shy, talented, modest kid who was full of promise but did not think too much about himself, or too highly of himself. When Colin and Charlotte separated, they agreed to both stay in the area so Leo could have one school and one set of friends. He lived 50-50 with both of them growing up. Leo taught himself to model and design objects on his computer. In his final year at Nayland College, Leo took only four subjects, having already achieved university entrance in his 12th year. I'm not entirely sure how the school system works there, but from what I can tell, Nylon College is the equivalent to Canada and the US's high school. He spent time coming up with new ideas on his computer and sending the final products away for companies in the US to manufacture. He was a very young entrepreneur, and he knew how to talk business, even at such a young age. Leo is actually credited with creating the world's first scale V8 engine with a remote control electric motor inside. The design was sold all around the world. He also built a life-sized buggy made out of scrap metal and a stripped down engine. He had light brown hair and stood at 6 feet tall, or 183 centimeters. When he was last seen, he was wearing a yellow t-shirt, blue jeans, and brown leather shoes. As he got older, he was described as introspective and sensitive, and he was quoted saying things like, quote, life is shit, unquote, to his friends in the time leading up to his disappearance. He drove in a car that he adored, a bright orange 87 Toyota Corolla wagon. Anywhere he went, the car could be spotted nearby. He lived with Ben and Lewis, his two flatmates in Nelson, New Zealand. Around January in 2009, Leo was picked up and arrested on Rocks Road at 2 o'clock a.m., driving dangerously and drunk. It was reported that alcohol made him impulsive. Due to his clean record, I believe the charges were dropped and he was just held for the night but I'm not completely sure on this, as there's no more records available to the public. Leo was 19 on January 24th, 2010. That night, he told his flatmate and good friend Ben, quote, I'm just going to be one with nature, unquote. 
and then he left to go somewhere in his car. It wasn't reported whether or not he was drunk when he left. At 9 o'clock the next morning, January 25th, when Ben woke up, Leo had not yet returned. His belongings were in the house, and the only things gone were the clothes he had been wearing the night before, his cell phone, and his car. Lewis, the other flatmate, decided to call Leo's father, Colin, to ask if he had heard from Leo recently. It was only mid-morning, so Colin wasn't too concerned at that point. He assumed Leo had just gone out for a drive or had gone out to see his mother, Charlotte. These were two common things for Leo to do when he wanted to clear his head. It wasn't until 12 o'clock p.m., lunchtime, that Lewis called Charlotte and asked her the same question he asked Colin. She said she hadn't heard from him either, and in turn began calling him for the rest of the afternoon. She presumed that his phone was either off or dead, though she became increasingly concerned when she was unable to contact Leo herself. Colin and Charlotte first thought Leo had gotten in a car accident and had driven off the road. The issue with this was, he had been driving for four years and the majority of Nelson is flat, so it didn't make a lot of sense that this is what happened, but it was still a possibility. Eventually, Colin and Charlotte contacted the police and filed a missing persons report. Based on Leo's history and alcohol abuse, the police first considered that he could have committed suicide, but also said that that may not have been the case. The investigation began, and authorities began searching roads for Leo's car, and asked the public to report anything they saw related to Leo. In early February, a sighting of Leo's car was reported in Wairu Valley. The police asked the owner of the car to step forward, especially if it was Leo, but nobody ever did. Around 4.30 p.m. later that day, another sighting of Leo's car was reported. On February 24th, a few weeks later, at 10.30 a.m., Leo was spotted sitting in his car on Rye Saddle. None of these sightings have been confirmed by authorities. Many searches have been conducted by both the police and Leo's parents, along with volunteers, as they continued the efforts for about three years after he disappeared. Colin and Charlotte asked hikers to keep an eye out for Leo's body, and if they found either him or his vehicle to contact authorities immediately. Crime Stoppers had a 50000 New Zealand dollar reward out for any information leading to the discovery of Leo. This is 46,000 Canadian dollars and 36,000 US dollars. The police investigated rumors that his car was hidden in a shipping container or even buried. Yet another aerial search took place after a few tips like this came in and a car was spotted in a dense bush. When the car was uncovered, it was the same model, but yellow. In September 2011, the police received a tip that Leo may have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. They searched three separate properties in relation to the tip and confiscated several electronic items, including multiple computers. They were specifically looking for Leo's watch or Corolla car parts. It was at this point that they announced they were changing the case to a homicide instead of being a missing persons case. The police then announced they were interested in a boat owned by a former resident. They searched the home of a civilian after this, 
who claimed the search was being conducted on the basis of false allegations, and nothing came of this search. Charlotte continued to search for her son desperately, never giving up hope that he could be out there somewhere, possibly even suffering. On September 6, 2013, authorities announced that they thought someone had, quote, committed a serious crime, unquote, against Leo. After this announcement, nothing really happened in this case for almost four years. But in April of 2017, along the coastline of Nelson, there was a yacht doing an anchor test where the diving crew noticed something strange. An upside down car was lying underwater, just at the edge of the harbor. A man named Bruce Lines, who was a veteran commercial diver, was then called to investigate. This was the man the port used to check just about everything, from small hazards to potential biosecurity breaches, so he was pretty important. He was nearby when the discovery was made, so it didn't take long for him to get there. Upon examination, Bruce thought the car may have been new, so he called the police. When he returned to the surface, however, he came up with a different idea. It was the same model car that Leo Lip neighbors had owned when he had disappeared back in 2010. The police came quickly and lifted the car from the water. When it came up, it was completely covered in sea life. Colin and Charlotte were called to the scene while they were removing the car from the water. When it was taken out, it was confirmed that there were human remains inside. They sent these remains to the coroner, who determined the cause of death was, in fact, suicide. It was announced to the public that Leo Lip Neighbors had driven himself off the side of a wharf back in 2010, and this seven-year mystery was solved. At least now, Charlotte can finally stop looking for her son. The sources for this episode include stuff.co.nz, nzherald.co.nz, policegovt.nz, out.co.nz, tvnz.co.nz, and rnz.co.nz. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I would really appreciate it if you all would follow and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps the podcast to grow. You can find us on Facebook at True Crime Worldwide, on Instagram at True Crime Worldwide Podcast, and on Twitter at Worldwide Crime or True Crime Worldwide. This episode was written and edited by Annika Penny. The intro music was written and produced by Ben James, who you can find on YouTube at B-E-N-J-E-M-I-M-A. The cover photo was taken and edited by Kyle Shao, who you can find on both YouTube and Instagram. True Crime Worldwide is produced by H. Penny Entertainment.